Welcome to another episode of Practically Political. I'm Dave Spencer. And I'm Carrie Sheffield. Let's get right to it. Dave, so there is a decisive victory this month. Republican Myra Flores will be the first Mexican-born woman ever to serve in Congress. This shrinks House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's margin as Latinos continue to flee the Democrats' record of failures. And then just speaking of you know other historical firsts with the Republican Party, first Black male and female secretaries of state, first Asian American Commerce Secretary Republican. So many firsts, the list could go on and on. And then you've got the fact that nearly 160 million people from outside the United States, which includes tens or maybe even hundreds of millions of Black and Brown and Asian people outside America saying they want to come here. Many of them risk their very lives. This seems to me very compelling evidence that relative to anywhere else on the planet, America is a shining example of racial equality. We certainly have much further to go, but America is not a racist country, according, uh, you know, despite what the left says. So I guess my question to you is, you know, why does the media keep allowing the left to perpetuate the lies about race? You know, we got the 1619 Project, we've got critical race theory. Why doesn't the media and the left and why can't Republicans do more? And what, what advice would you have for Republicans on this issue? And just to say, let's be real here. Well, first of all, you say 160 million black, brown and Asian people that want to come here. I don't recall them being welcomed by, uh, with open arms by the Republican Party. But this is something that we've talked about before, Carrie. And this is something actually where you and I are in many ways on the, on the same page. Uh, I have said, just to take a step back, because there was a lot to unpack in your question slash statement there, but I do think that, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, in 2018, Democrats focused on areas where there's very little daylight between Trump voters and them. Kitchen table issues people care about, jobs, the economy, healthcare, education. In 2020, it was, you know, defund the police, Green New Deal, Medicare for all, confiscate guns. That's not what people want to hear. And Latino voters and black voters are more pragmatic. They are more socially conservative. And frankly, they don't care about reparations. They care about crime in their community. They care about opportunity. They care about education for their kids. They care about getting decent health care. In other words, they care about the stuff that everyone else cares about, right? And so that is the main problem that the Democrats have had. Now, having said that, and again, we could talk about this for 10 minutes, so I'll, I'll try to funnel here. But the advice, I, w- I would say two things. First of all, in response to your uh, questions about who's being elected, yes, on a state and local level, you saw it in Virginia, you saw it in Texas. And if you look at the biggest change, by the way, you know, I, I love to follow these stats, the biggest change in votes from 2016 to 2020 in terms of counties that went more for Trump than they did in 2016, some of those border counties in Texas, over 20% more votes. Now, why is that? Again, these are people that Trump called breeders and drug dealers and smugglers, okay? The reason they're not running to Republicans, they're being repelled away from Democrats, okay? So, and this is a, a huge opportunity for the Republican Party because when you think about Latinos, the three of the things that matter most to them are entrepreneurship, self-reliance, and family. Those are supposed to be Republican bullet points. But because of the harsh anti-immigration stance and because of people like Trump who have gone out of his way 
to make foreigners feel unwelcome here and trash on immigration, which is the best thing we have going for us demographically, there's been a big hesitancy. And that's why you see a lot of improvements on the local level, but you don't see much improvements, much improvement on the national level. And you have, as I've said before, you have one party that's feckless and incompetent and one party that's authoritarian and frankly, right now cannot be trusted with governing. And so that's why I think things are in such a dire shape politically in the U.S. Mm. Follow up. Well, I agree with a lot of what you said, but not all of it. Um, I think that the, uh, you know, the difference between legal versus illegal immigration was the point that Trump was making. And there is a but lot he, of crime. He, he, he and cut there is back a lot on legal immigration, too. And gangs. He cut back on all kinds of immigration. Carrie, come on. Yeah, and I, I agree. That's a mistake. I think being conscious of uh, legal immigration, that's we have a labor shortage in this country right now. I think we Agreed. should be really conscious of that, but obviously making sure that Americans uh, are able to apply and, and get first preference for any domestic job. But uh, I think also that the uh, I agree they're running away from the left and those those core values really are conservative values for Latinos. So I think we agree on a lot. Um, I think that the uh, the Republican Party has shown, you know, where I live here in Virginia, like you said, Jason Miares, he's the first, uh, as I understand it, Latino American attorney general here in our state. And then we had Winston Sears, the first African-American woman lieutenant governor anywhere, I believe, in, in the entire South post-Reconstruction. Uh, and so there probably even before, I can't imagine a female lieutenant governor before Reconstruction. Um, but uh, no, I, I think that... Uh, this is nice to find an area that we agree on. I think that the messaging, though, uh, is that Republicans should stop going on like defense. And that's maybe. Wait, do you agree with me on that, that we shouldn't be conservatives? Republicans should not be on defense on these issues anymore. I think the time for that has passed. Well, when you say defense, a lot of times the Republican Party is on defense is because the party has dug itself into a hole, thanks mainly to a lot of the harsh and divisiveness from, from Donald Trump. And I would also add that when you look at gains that are being made, remember, I emphasize this is on the state and local level. Other than Tim Scott, how many uh, people of color occupy uh, national positions in the Republican Party? Governors, senators, very, very few. And that's where a lot of the problem lies. And I think that Yes, there's an opportunity because I do think that the Democrats have not served the interest of a lot of minority voters. And I think a lot of the policies, particularly you really notice this when the teachers unions who's when, you know, when kids don't go back to school, it's poor kids that get screwed. Right. It's not rich white kids. So this is where there's a real opportunity. But I think, again, if if Trump is not the nominee, and I think someone, particularly if it's someone like Ron DeSantis, who, because he's from Florida, which is an immigrant state, has to be more sensitive just de by demographic necessity. Look at the best performance ever by a Republican president was George W. Bush in 2000. He got 44 percent of the Latino vote. And yes, that's great. But if you're a governor of Texas, you have to be that way. Right. Because so much of it is your is your constituency. So the best thing, once again, I say for the Republican Party would be to move past Trump and get a nominee who actually has to deal with it, with immigration on a practical level. So my question for you is short and sweet, and that is almost 60 percent of Americans feel that Donald Trump should be criminally charged for what he did. And January 6th was just the least of it. It was really 
really uh, trying to orchestrate a coup because he knew what was going on. So the question is, should he? I believe no. Um, I think I, I took a look at this poll, this 60% poll, and I checked the methodology. Uh, and then I also checked the, the same outlet. ABC News did the same polling you know, months ago, like right after January 6th and then today. And uh-huh. the difference is actually within the margin of error. So there's actually been no change then versus today, which I think is important to note, despite millions of dollars spent, billions of dollars in media coverage, that the needle has not changed in terms of how the American people feel about this. And Democrats would be smart uh, if they were to realize also that poll found that only 9% of Americans are closely following this case. Now, I think that the question as to Trump and, and, you know, and, and whether we should continue this partisan circus that we've, you know, you and I disagree about. Um, I think the answer is decisively no. I don't think, I think, again, if you look at the phrasing of the question, the way that the question is phrased, it's a very leading question. Uh, It basically posits and basically frames up that Trump was the one who caused this, the way that the question is phrased. And so if you phrase a question like that, I think it's a logical conclusion. Most people would would agree with that. But then the fact that 91% of people haven't been closely following it, so why would they have an accurate read on what actually should happen if they aren't even closely following it and you're giving them garbage biased questions, I think that that's a logical conclusion you're going to get. Garbage in, garbage out. That's how polling works. But but the, the truth is, though, that people don't care about this issue. When you look at the issues that matter to people, um, it is not anywhere in the top. Uh, you know, people care about the economy. They care about inflation. They care about what's happening uh, with baby formula shortages. They care about energy. They care about things that matter to them in their day-to-day lives. And so, you know, partisan witch hunts, because again, here's the thing, even if, if let's say hypothetical, Trump were to be charged with this, who would be overseeing it? Oh yeah, a Democrat, Merrick Garland. So there just would be, this would just be more contentious, uh, you know, feuding back and forth. And I think that the best solution is just let the ballot box speak for itself. Whether, whether Trump uh, whether the people actually will resoundly reject this at the ballot box, I think that's the best test of all of this. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that that's that's where things are. And and I think if you were to ask a similar question again, phrased in a certain way, whether Hillary Clinton should be criminally charged for what she did in twenty sixteen, oh, here we go. Of, here we go. Uh, again, here we oh, go. That's the, it's the same thing. It's it's very similar in terms of uh, it, it, what it, Hillary Clinton did to manufacture. Uh, a, an investigation and lead the FBI. Here we go with the false equivalency. This of is dollars. a false non-equivalency. It's not even a false equivalency. It's yeah, as I see you, you, you coined a new term in your Trumpism defense: false non-equivalency. Again, this is the same thing you said. Oh, Terry McAuliffe said that the election shouldn't be counted. You know, Jamie Raskin said, "Yeah, these are people that made offhanded comments." They didn't orchest- try to orchestrate a coup. They didn't, they didn't present false electors. They didn't gin up an, an insurrection. They, they weren't the first candidate in the history of our republic who was such a narcissistic person. He couldn't handle losing, and he, he just rejected the result of an election. As Mitch McConnell says, when the loser of an election doesn't respect the outcome, our democracy goes into a death spiral. And that's what's, on, that's what's at the risk of, hap- of happening right now. And that's why I am so torn because democratic policies have not been good. Some of them I support 
And there's some there's some good stuff that's gestating in some of these laboratories out of the states that 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 is coming out. Okay, but I will say that when you look at the most important thing, it's our democracy. And you look at some of these candidates that are being nominated. And right now, being a rhino, all right, that ad that Eric Greitens ran in Missouri, basically a rhino means you don't buy into the big lie. And that's where today's Republican Party is. And that's why it cannot be trusted with, with governing it. And that's why I think a message has to be sent that we cannot handle this type of behavior and that people cannot do this and get away with it. And, and um, because let's face it, in 2024, do you think this, this isn't going to happen again? Trump, if he lost in 2016, he was, he was laying the groundwork. I mean, he, he didn't even accept that Ted Cruz won the Iowa primary. He didn't even accept that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. I mean, the man is so detached from reality, he's never accepted even like defeats within a victory. Can you at least acknowledge that? I acknowledge I don't I don't like that ad that Eric Ryan's made. He shouldn't have made that ad. No, no, no let's talk about Trump. Uh, I mean, can you give you I mean Trump wouldn't even acknowledge that Hillary won the popular vote. Remember, it was millions of Latinos voted illegally. I mean, can you at least admit what a joke that is? I mean, that shows to me that's so indicative. Yeah, I mean, the man's a showman at the end of the day. That's his his background, his heritage. He a showman. is a, uh, you know, he's a card-carrying member of the Screen Actors Guild. He was in WWE for a long time. WWE is, a lot of it is fantasy acting. So he knows how to, to pull in drama into what he's saying. But the thing is, politicians make all sorts of statements that are not true and are, are oh God, uh, bogus or it. are ex exaggerations. And that's that's the truth. So, oh, come on. Yeah. Noah, has, has there ever been... Yes or no, has there ever been another candidate who has not accepted the outcome of a presidential election? Hillary Clinton, she called Trump the night of the election and conceded, okay? The night of the she election. She still says- and, No, 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 Yeah, no, and then no, she no. went on to she spend- had, had, No, 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 she officially conceded. Don't try to spin it. She officially conceded, okay? Has there ever been another candidate who has not officially conceded? She has walked no, that back no, no, so many times. Been. And okay. she even oh, said on. in 2020, she, she said him. whoever the Democrat, she said whoever uh, Mary, is the Democrat please, nominee see, should, I, not, I really should not concede. She said that. Stronger if every once in a while you would acknowledge that what, what the man did. Okay, fact. No one else has ever not conceded an election. Hillary Clinton did it. Al Gore did it. Okay. All these, all these people eventually when they, when they saw the light at the end of the tunnel, they conceded. Trump did not. And then he also, has anyone else tried to put forward false electors? Has everyone, to me, okay, let me just go back and because it's a very important conversation. I would not, if I were Merrick Garland, I would not charge Trump on the sedition because A, I think it's very contentious, it's ambiguous, and it's a very hard charge to put through. You know, you, you may recall that those people who threatened to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, they thought that was a slam dunk case and they were acquitted. So it's a very hard to do. Where I would go after him is in Georgia. I mean, he is on tape so blatantly saying, find me these votes, change the election. And by the way, a side note to all you pussy Republicans who think you have to support the big lie, look at Georgia. No, you don't. Trumpism was repudiated 110%. 
by that empty suit David Perdue, who ironically lost his Senate seat because of Trump, and uh, Jody Heiss, who tried to run, run against Brad Raffensperger. People in Georgia have moved on. So will you guys stop being such wimps and, stop, and get past the cult of personality and focus on governing? So this is, this is the problem. And this, is, this leads me to my next question. And, th and that is, I expect, you know, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Cretans, you know, the nut jobs like, like Matt Gates and, you know, Paul Gosar and Lauren Boebert and these people, I expect them to go along with it. But when you look back over the Trump years, the people I blame, frankly, are the Rob Portmans because they were the adults in the room and they winked and nodded. They supported everything. They tried to argue that a tax cut that over 80% of it went to the top 1% was for the middle class and that it was needed even though the economy was at full steam. They, they winked and nodded at everything Trump did. And you are someone who's very reasonable. You're well-respected. You and I have a great dialogue. We're great friends. It's people like you that, that, that most people will look to and they say, God, you know, if Kerry won't even acknowledge that the election was, wasn't stolen, if Kerry is not criticizing Trump, if Kerry won't even admit that he wouldn't concede the election, you know, God, maybe there's some truth to it. So it's the reasonable people like you. You're the ones that can save our party. Why can, can, can't you do more? You know, you can still do more and not throw Trump under the bus. Well, I, I think that, uh, and I've said this before, I think the claims that he made, uh, I think he had some, you know, bad lawyers who are making up no, legal but that, theories I, that you're, were you're getting totally the, wrong. You're getting into this uh, and then, That wasn't my question. Yeah. My question was in general, you know, let's, you can just say, look, uh, this man committed a lot of crimes. He shouldn't be the nominee. He shouldn't run again. He's unfit to be president. You know, I'm supporting Ron DeSantis. I'm supporting so-and-so, you know, and that we need to move past Trump. We can't nominate people like Doug Mastriano in, in Pennsylvania, who's a card-carrying uh, election denier. We can't nominate people like Herschel Walker, who is the most uh, literally uh, clueless candidate in terms of knowledge and preparation ever, or, or Oz in Pennsylvania, who I don't even think has barely set foot in the state. You know, we, we need to get serious and get back to what we used to be, the party of ideas, the party of solutions, the intellectual party. Well, I think each of those candidates brings different strengths and their strengths you want to choose to ignore. And yeah, every candidate has strengths and liabilities. That That's that's the truth. Of course. Uh, and that, you, for Dr. Oz, name. like as an example. Even everything Dr. Oz, has a little good in it. Come on. No, but I mean, I mean Dr. Oz is, is a physician. Like who better to push back against Obamacare and socialized medicine than a physician like Dr. Oz? First of all, you know, Obamacare. Or, or the overreaches of the coronavirus shutdown. That's that's another thing he can push back effectively oh, God, against. So, Curry, you're the best. Yeah, I, I, I love know. how you call all it. Right. Obamacare was a great plan when the Heritage Foundation came out with it. It was socialized medicine when Obama picked it up. <laughs> yeah, well, it's Heritage far had from it. socialized medicine, believe me. Uh, it's a, that's just that's just a misnomer. But anyway, can't you see my point? I mean, that's because so because if people can't agree on the same facts, how can you govern? And that's the most damage that Trump has done, because again, his ego couldn't handle the fact that he lost. He's gotten uh, you know half the party, if not more, to believe that the freest, 
fairest, most secure election we ever had, which the Trump administration admitted, and Trump admitted he lost as well, was stolen, all because his little ego couldn't handle it. And if reasonable people like you stood up and said, you know what, this is wrong, we need to move past this. I'm a proud Republican, this is not who we are, but you won't do it, why? Because people use coronavirus to put changes that were unconstitutional in the state. That's a true statement. So if you want me to lie and say I don't believe that, I can't. Move past Trump. If you want to talk about abysmal performance on the coronavirus, let's talk about Trump. Okay, he was the one that that denied it. That wouldn't even acknowledge it, even though he knew in a a February 2020 interview with Bob Woodward, he admitted it on tape. And then he said, oh, it's just one person. It'll magically disappear in April. So don't let's not get into an argument about who handled coronavirus worse. I think, well, by the way, the one... it's a bipartisan failure, being the fair person I am. It's a bipartisan failure. But that's still, but why can't you say for the good of the party, let's move past Trump? I think that Trump did a lot to energize and Okay. Make the base be heard. And I, I don't think that's something that should be cast aside. No, you, cast aside you can still listening move past to your base without understanding. Ron, you know, Ron DeSantis is someone, I don't agree with a lot of what he does, but he's someone that doesn't offend the base. The, you know, I see a type of Republican candidate as someone who doesn't offend the base. Like you're talking about the Glenn Youngkin model, okay? There's a lot of, there are candidates like that out there. Just not yeah. the man. If Glenn Youngkin runs, I will work for him. Intellectually unqualified to be president. Dave, you heard it here. If Glenn Youngkin runs, I'll work for him. But let me get to my last question, yeah, if we, if we have time. All right. So President Biden has repeatedly said that a re- recession is not inevitable. Do you agree mm-hmm. with him? Uh, yes, I do. Actually, uh, I will say, being the fair, always being fair. I've been very disappointed. I think Biden has been quite Trumpian in his seemingly, in his inability, or at least his lack of desire to take any accountability. I think the American people want a president who takes accountability and people understand that you steer, you steer the ship as best you can and you don't always get things right and uh, you make mistakes and it's, it's a tough call. It's the hardest job in the world. I think he would be, and he said when he was running that he was going to be accountable, that he wasn't going to be Trump. And frankly, he's acting like Trump a lot and not taking accountability. And that's a real mistake for everything from Well, I think people would love Trump's economy. Right and about, and you know? well, uh, well, that's another thing. We'll get to that in a second. But to, an, but to answer your question, I think that uh, we're, we're not sure there's going to be a recession. I, the, 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 you know, this is not an, a typical situation. I think right now, there's still a lot of unmet jobs or un, uh, there's 11 million job openings in this country. I think, thank God, they're focusing on trying to get more immigrants in. So I would say right now, I, I, I'm not as, am I as, uh, as bullish as Biden? No, but I'm not as bearish as Larry Summers either. That's, that's a short answer to your question. How about you? I, I guess I'm I'm more on the Larry Summer side of things. I think that there's a good chance that we might go into recession. Uh, you, you know, just I think the Fed was asleep at the wheel. Everything it was doing with expanding its balance sheet and then not moving on interest rates. I mean, I, overall, I'm on the Steve Forbes uh, direction of the Fed and, and how much power it has. 
But I think what's happened, they've overcorrected so quickly now with the you know 75 point uh, basis points uh, increase, and that that's gonna I think slide a lot of people you know further and further down. You know the the Michigan uh, sentiment index, it's hit. It's, I think it's been around 70 years, and it's the lowest it's ever measured in terms of consumer sentiment. Sentiment. So that's where all the signs are pointing. But you know. I love this country. I hope it doesn't get to that point. And I think, you know, if it takes getting a turnaround in November to get a Congress who's going to block some of what Biden's doing, then that's a good thing. Well, yeah, I, I would. I, and I, I do agree with you, by the way, on the Fed. I, I think a lot of uh, and this is true of, of both parties. A lot of presidents now just cede this type of action to the Fed, where it used to be a, a team effort. Yeah, monetary policy is important, but so is fiscal policy, right? When when you look at uh, how we've best dealt with this stuff in the past, whether it was Reagan or Clinton, it was a combination of, of the two. And that's what I would like to see. So we're on the same plane on that one. And uh, But I also believe the key will be how much more does the Fed have to cut? You know, if, 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 if interest rates have to go up to like five or 6%, then we will have a recession. If we can get by at three or 4%, then we might not, because it's just a question of obviously, uh, if you have 6%, it's gonna cut demand enough down where you will have one, so. But as always, great conversation. And I wish the rest of, uh, the, rest of the, the pundits could do it with as much civility as we do. Passion and civility, that's, that's, our, that's our name game. Folks, thanks for joining us on Practically Political. We'll see you next time.